to acknowledge our sin and even to accept the consequences of those sin doesn't necessarily mean that we repented. You see, repentance is a total change of heart that issues in a total change of behavior that responds to a God without reserve. Jonah didn't do that. Welcome to Living a Legacy with Crawford Loritz. Self-righteousness can get us into a lot of trouble. Sometimes we think we're above the sins of others. Well, that mindset prevents us from being the compassionate servants God expects us to be. Self-righteousness can keep us from being the very instruments God may use to bring others out of sin. Well, thanks for joining us for today's program. We're in a series called God's Severe Mercy, studying the Old Testament prophet Jonah. A prophet was someone God spoke through to deliver a message to his people. In this case, the prophet Jonah was to preach repentance to the very evil pagan people of Nineveh. But Jonah's self-righteous attitude made him view these people as not worthy of God's mercy, and he chose not to deliver God's message. God needed to correct Jonah's thinking, and that's where we are today in the second part of Crawford's message, Rebellion Exposed. Our text is Jonah chapter 1, verses 7 through 16. If you're new to our program, Crawford Loritz is a nationally known Bible speaker and author. His ministry to churches and organizations spans over 40 years. You're never too late to get in on Crawford's series. To get caught up, check out our streamed past programs on our website, livingalegacy.org. Again, our text, Jonah chapter 1, verses 7 through 16. Now, Jonah's about to become a resident of a big fish's stomach. The crew of the ship in which he was traveling is about to throw him overboard, which is God's way of getting Jonah's attention. Let's continue the story. Here's Crawford Loritz on Living a Legacy. They said to him, this, uh, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, listen to what Jonah says, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, this, this statement sounds more magnanimous and, and self-sacrificial than it's intended to be. You must read this statement in, in its broader context. The broader context here, why didn't Jonah just drop to his knees and cry out and say, God, I am sorry? Why didn't he just do that? Why didn't he just say to them, hey, look, I'm going to call on to my God and tell him that I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be making a beeline up there to Nineveh. I'm going in the wrong direction. And, and, I, and I'd like for you guys to turn around. But if I cry out to him in repentance and turn from my sin, he'll do that. But that's not what he does. What he does is, is this is a statement of stubborn rebellion. What he says is just throw me overboard and y'all be safe. Which shows you how deeply entrenched Jonah's resistance was to doing what God wanted him to do. He did not want to go to Nineveh to say anything about a gracious God to those people, even if it cost his life. Wow, that's incredible. And again, I want to encourage you to read the entire book lest you think I'm being extravagant here. So this confession is not the voice of repentance. This is not one crying out that he wants to change. This, 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 this confession is just 
admitting that he is guilty and that he'll accept the consequences. It's not repentance. He said, yeah, I'm guilty, and I will accept the consequences. Throw me overboard, and God will stop it. Well, the sailors conclude that Jonah is indeed the key to quieting the storm. Quieting the storm. So although he takes responsibility for what he does, uh, and I would have to say that there might be a modicum of conscience in Jonah because he doesn't want these fellows to be destroyed. So he says, okay, I'll take the hit. But please, there's no repentance here. I know some commentators and others, and I've heard messages on this that says that the Jonah's repentance began when he was willing to jump overboard. I don't see that. I, I see him acknowledging what he's done, but I don't see that acknowledgement comes until he's forced. I mean, the lot shows that he did it. He's painted in a corner. It is a defiant admission of guilt. And it's astonishing. Jonah was willing to die and once again, why didn't he just simply repent and choose obedience? Why? Why? Maybe somebody's listening to me right now, and you're in that situation. Oh, perhaps in your mind, and maybe not as dramatic as this situation is with Jonah, admittedly. But you have been resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting. And you know what's happening? Other people are paying for your resistance. God has hurled a storm at you and those associated with you. And yet the pride has, has grabbed you by the heart. And that self-righteousness has morphed into this kind of crazy, stubborn resistance. that just stands there and says, no, I'll, I don't care. I'm going to do what I need to do no matter what. Are you there? Are you there? And, you know, and the point is this. Jonah is even asking God by his behavior not to show him mercy. Isn't that interesting? By his very posture, by, by his very resistance, he's actually saying to God, don't show me mercy. But then again, this, is, this, is a, this God is so incredible because what happens next here is that basically these sailors ignore him. And instead of chucking him and throwing him overboard and deep-sixing Jonah, they exhibit the very grace and mercy that Jonah refuses to extend to the Ninevites. Where do you get that from? Look at verse 13. Nevertheless, he says, throw me overboard. He says, no, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. What's the point here? The sailors want to save his life. They don't want to, they don't want, they don't want to lose their lives. They don't want to lose him. The sailors want to save his life. This is amazing. 
But only after they realize there's no way to be saved do they throw Jonah overboard. Do they throw him overboard? There's a lesson here for us. Listen to me. Don't try to rescue someone that God wants to discipline. It's one of the hardest lessons I've learned in life. Even people that you know and love who are close to you, be very careful of rescuing someone that God wants to discipline. And some of us, we want to bail our friends out. And, and I, I get it. You know, we ought to be great friends. We ought to love our friends. We ought to do all we possibly can, our, our children and all of that. But, but, but there comes a point in time where God says, no, no, if you keep trying to, to rescue the one that I'm trying to discipline, guess what's going to happen? Both of y'all are going to get it. And so they realize, hey, look, God's anger is directed toward Jonah. And if we, we keep protecting him from God, guess what's going to happen? We're all going to be lost. We're all going to be destroyed. And by the way, parenthetically, parents, this is a very, very, very hard but important lesson. You actually, you actually can, can, can launch your children on a trajectory of foolishness and emotional immaturity by rescuing them from the consequences and the strong messages that God wants to give them that often is associated with pain. But Jonah needed to learn this. There is a point, there is a point where mercy morphs into an enablement. And it's not mercy at all. Actually, believe it or not, it's a form of abuse. And so these sailors, they get, they get the message. And they end up surrendering to God's plan. That's found in verse 15, God's plan. <laughs> verse 14 says, therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us uh, innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Verse 15 says, so they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Boy, this is remarkable to me. They surrendered to God's plan, and what happens? As soon as Jonah hit the water, the storm stopped. As soon as they put the person in the hands of God, the focus of God's anger was shifted from them to disciplining that person. And I like to think that the storm stopped immediately. I don't think it was just sort of gradually uh, dissipating and going away. They obeyed God. They put Jonah in God's hand, and God took care of, of the problem. God took care of the problem. So they surrendered to him. And by the way, the anger of the storm is an expression of the anger of God toward his rebellious prophet. Now, this might cause some of y'all to be a little upset with me by making that observation. You said, how can God be angry at us? Doesn't God love us? 
Doesn't he care about us? Sure. Anger and love are not polar opposites. They're not polar opposites. God was angry at Jonah's behavior and his way of thinking. And he was saying to Jonah, I will do whatever it takes to pull you back in line. Yet, so God, God, in that sense, can be angry with us. You see, we've got to be careful of, of making God, a, a, a caricature of God uh, that reflects our handiwork and uh, our, our little blueprint, our, our little pattern, where we take our favorite attributes of God and our favorite characteristics that really don't demand much of us, and we make a picture and a portrait of that kind of God. Now, God is a just God. And he does display anger. even toward believers who disobey him. So God deals with Jonah. He's thrown overboard. But the last observation I want to make under this whole idea of confession is that what happens to these sailors here? And I've sort of tipped my hand as you read verses uh, 14 and 15. It's pretty remarkable. These sailors are converted. How do you get that? Listen to what they say. They called out to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, before they were praying to their pagan gods. I, I can't prove this, but I have the sneaking suspicion that God used Jonah's answer to their questions to get them moving toward the God of Israel. Not only that, the storm that they were in and the revelation of what was taking place set them up to change their allegiance from their pagan gods to the God of Israel. When Jonah said, he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. That got their attention. So again, notice their prayer in verse 14. O Lord, not their God, Yahweh, Jehovah, O Jehovah, O Lord, the covenant name of the God of Israel, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And then again, look at verse 16. It says, then the men feared who? The Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. This is, this is astonishing. These, these sailors are converted. They're converted. They acknowledge the presence and power and the greatness of God. And interestingly enough, in verse 16, it tells us that this miraculous deliverance from the storm helped them to catch a glimpse of who God really is. Now, I need to point this out to you. This is not some foxhole conversion. They don't, they don't make the declaration in verse 16 uh, prior to the time that the storm ceases. 
Or as you can say, God, I'm in trouble, Lord, if you get me out of this situation, I will follow you, I'll abandon my pagan gods, and I'll become a follower of Yahweh, and, and he'll be my God and the captain of my life if you only get me out of this situation. No, 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 this was not a foxhole conversion. They got converted after the deliverance. It was amazing. After the danger was over, they got converted. Now, again, toward heading toward home here, it is so ironic. It is so ironic. Drop it in its context. God is sending Jonah to Nineveh to give a message of his truth to the capital city of the hellish Assyrian Empire, terrorist state. Jonah does not want to be a vehicle of God's grace and mercy. And yet, ironically, (laughs) Jonah was running away from God because he didn't want to share God's truth with wicked Gentiles. But that is exactly what he did before they threw him in the water. Before they threw him in the water. This, This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. God is saying, you you don't get it, buddy. One way or another, through your life, I'm going to accomplish my purposes. Before we pray together, let me give you three lessons coming out of this text. Three very important lessons. Number one is this. God will make sure that even our disobedience will accomplish his purposes. Did you hear what I just said? God will make sure that even our disobedience will accomplish his purposes. I didn't say that he'll bless us. He'll make sure of that. So don't, don't say to God that what you're not going to do. God will say to you, okay, I'll use you in spite of myself while I discipline you and spank you. But even our disobedience is going to accomplish the purposes of God. I I gave you all all kinds of illustrations, all kinds of illustrations to this. That God will take your no and make it a yes while you think you're still telling him no. God will take your arrogance, humble you, and make you think, okay, fine, I'll just partially do it, and he'll get great glory out of it. So he'll use our disobedience even to accomplish his purposes. The second lesson that we need to learn from all of this is that To acknowledge our sin and even to accept the consequences doesn't mean we've repented. Did you hear what I said? To acknowledge our sin and even to accept the consequences of those sin doesn't necessarily mean that we've repented. You see, repentance is a total change of heart that issues in a total change of behavior that responds to a God without reserve. Jonah didn't do that. He acknowledged his sin, he confessed his sin, and he said, I will accept the consequences, but he never repented. And that's a good word for all of us. And not that we need to be hard on people. No, we don't need to be hard. We need to be gracious and loving, and only God knows people's hearts. But don't, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled on someone who shakes, yes, I know I did that wrong. I know it's totally wrong that I did. 
Yeah, I'll take, I'll take my medicine for that. Don't call that repentance. That's confession maybe, but that's not necessarily repentance. Repent, repentance always means change. Change. And the third lesson that we need to learn from all of this is that all sin is tainted with self-righteousness. Meaning, don't make others suffer because of our disobedience. This has been one of the great, uh, great motivations of my life. Uh, the thing that God has used me, uh, used to help me from making stupid decisions, doing something that would be really, really bad, is, is, is the memory, and remember, I've been married now for almost 49 years, and I have a wife that trusts me. I have four kids who believe in me and has given me the gift of their trust. 11 grandkids. All of this is stewardship responsibility. I don't want to do something that will splatter on them, violate that trust. I don't want to have attitudes in my heart and life that will attract the discipline of the Lord that spills over on all these other vital relationships. But then again, self-righteous people have a tendency not to think about those things. That's the reason why it's called self-righteousness. Let's make sure that we're walking in humble obedience to the Lord. And I have an assignment for you. Why don't you get by yourself? Sit down and ask the Lord, Lord, are there areas in my life in which I'm resisting you? Will you show them to me and help me to respond to you? If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the number one response that you should have is to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from my sin and I trust you as my Savior and Lord. Holy Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your presence. Thank you for how patient you are with us, how you love us. God, may we enjoy your presence, may we listen to your voice, and may our response to you always, always, always be yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. As I said at the beginning of our time today, self-righteousness can get us into a lot of trouble. Jonah soon understood that God will accomplish his purposes even when we choose to disobey him. Jonah is in for a rough ride inside the belly of a great fish, as we'll discover next week. Hope you'll join us right here. Rebellion Exposed, the title of today's message. It's all part of Crawford's latest series called God's Severe Mercy. Now, if you just joined us at this point in the series, you're not too late. There's much to learn in each message. Get caught up by going to our website and click on the Past Programs tab. All the messages in the series so far are available to listen to there, or download them for free to your audio player by clicking on the MP3 link. A quick email is a great way to assure us that you find spiritual benefit in Crawford's messages each week. It's very important that we hear from you. Look for the contact link on our webpage, livingalegacy.org. 
I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for listening. We'll look for you again next week right here. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.